Welcome to another free first hour episode of the Higher Side Chats. I know we want to get into the action, but I have to ask that you help me armor us up a bit for the bumpy road ahead. Because I bring you the first hour of this show without unrelated ad nonsense as a proof of concept. And if you value it, then come over to THC Plus for the $8 a month and hear the full two-hour interviews as they were designed to be and as you would enjoy them most. Go to thehiresidechats.com or just click the link in the show notes to get started and within a minute you'll be plugging in your new Plus Show RSS feed into a hopefully decentralized podcasting 2.0 supported app. Feed the things you want to grow and starve the things that gotta go and we will reach the promised land. Think about that and enjoy the show. In the 1930s, President Franklin Delano Roosevelt addressed the nation through a series of radio broadcasts known as the Fireside Chats. His aim was to reassure the common man that our society would recover from its troubled times. Well, we're far from 1930, and I deal with a different kind of fire. For a new era of worldly frustration, we offer a fresh conversation. I'm Greg Carlwood, and these are the Fireside Chats. And this is the way, Higher Side Chatters. Doing the thing from sunny San Diego, I'm Greg Carlwood, just trying to keep my head above water, wading through the rough waters of the vast conspiracy. And the sea is certainly angry these days, my friends. But we know there's always a game beneath the game, coordination that seems like chaos, and coded details that function as calling cards if you have the eyes to see. The nefarious puppet masters of the Power Pyramid, the sorcerers of Silicon Valley, and the makers of 8mm Hollywood magic are always up to something, and it's never good. Luckily, we have people like Isaac Weishaupt on the case, well known as the appropriately named Illuminati Watcher, who has been a returning guest on THC going all the way back to 2014, where we talked about his great book, Sacrifice Magic Behind the Mic. He's also the author of several other killer reads like The Dark Path, A Grand Unified Conspiracy Theory, The Illuminati, Ancient Aliens, and Pop Culture, Alice in Rocky Horrorland, Entertainment's Pursuit of the Transhuman Desert Apocalypse, The Star Wars Conspiracy, Hidden Occult and Illuminati Symbolism of Aliens and the New Age, Kubrick's Code, and Aliens, UFOs, and the Occult, Use Your Illusion 1 and 2, just to name a few. He also has a book that shares the name of his always entertaining podcast, Conspiracy Theories and Unpopular Culture. He's on Rockfin, Patreon, and manages his own VIP membership through his website like a real G should. Here to take us on a satanic symbolism tour of 2021, the dedicated decoder, media dismantler, and Illuminati Watcher Supreme, my friend and yours, Isaac, welcome back to the higher side. (laughs) Yes. Greg, you're the king of intros. Thank you again for the great intro and... Letting me back on your fantastic show. This is it's got to be like the fourth time I've been on here. But I want to say four. Yeah, I yeah. usually look it up. It's yeah, I think this is four, or we've done four previous ones. It's four or five. Well, it's a real honor, regardless, <laughs> to get the return invite. You know, especially because you were one of the first ones, man. Like you, you paved the way for this whole conspiracy podcast thing. And uh. back in 2014, I was still very new to this whole ordeal. And when you you had me on your show, so you helped me sort of cut my teeth with doing interviews and podcasts and stuff. So I, I, I always appreciate that. I always, always think of you. And yeah. And, and like you said, I started running my own sort of subscription deal through my own website. Like you did, you know, you, you paved the way for that too. So yeah, you're a real pioneer. I appreciate you letting me back on your show again. <laughs> 
Of course, man. And you're too kind. People have been talking into microphones for a long time. And a couple other shows did it before me in terms of the membership. But neither here nor there. <laughs> None of them were worth it, shit, though. You're the best. <laughs> well, now that might be true. But hey, I'm, I'm not saying it. You said it. But I am glad we've stayed in touch. Thanks for doing this again. And congrats on your recent success and for making the cut for the tinfoil hat Mount Crushmore of Conspiracy. I see you're turning out so much great stuff all the time. You got one hell of a work ethic. And given some recent events and how close we are to the end of the year, I figured it was a good time to have you break down the most symbolically potent things we saw through 2021. I guess before we get into specific events, how would you assess 2021 overall when it comes to satanic or occult symbolism, the things that you're always clued in on? It does seem to ebb and flow from year to year, but how aggressive would you say it's been over this last 12 months? I would say very aggressive, and I don't have a quantitative sort of metric to support that. I just know from the general vibe of researching this exact field of conspiracy theories, mixing in with the Illuminati, mixing in with satanic ideas. You know, and I've been doing this since 2011, right? And obviously early on, I didn't have the knowledge base I do now. And every year I sort of get a little bit smarter and learn a little bit more about what's really going on or what I what I perceive to be going on, at least. I mean, this is just my ideas. And I would say this last year has been the most alarming yet. And obviously we're going to dive into specific topics here and there, but the whole Travis Scott ordeal, that was almost verbatim script out of the ideas I presented back when I did your show the first time in 2014 when I wrote Sacrifice Magic Behind the Mic, the book about conspiracy theory and Illuminati slash satanic symbolism in hip-hop. Because back then, it was pretty obvious they were using certain symbols and ideas. And the concern over the years was, what happens when this stuff manifests itself? If you believe in the ideas of ritual magic ceremonial magic, high magic, low magic, whatever you want to call it. If you believe in those ideas, which I do, I, I believe that they work. I myself don't practice it. It's just not my, my bag. But I believe those ideas work. And I believe these artists are shown these principles, you know, whether it be alchemy or ritual magic, probably innocuously. It's probably just like law of attraction given to them, manifesting thoughts and realities. But no matter how you want to look at this, whatever filter you want to look at what these artists do, they employ symbolism. They are manifesting reality through their thoughts and words, the spoken word. And Travis Scott arguably manifested a literal hell on earth at his Astro World concert through a whole variety of symbolism he's been giving us over the years back in 2015 I first started looking at his work and that was when I back in the day I used to do blogging primarily and uh, you know you know as well as I do the censors keep deciding where they want to limit your audience size and they shadow banned me off of Google and then I sort of shifted gears but anyway he's been on my radar for a long time with all this symbolism he's been giving us and it unfortunately manifested itself in the concert that you know, I, I think the body counts up to 10 right now. Mm. 
Yeah, man. It's so crazy because a lot of naysayers will say, well, magic isn't real. They just use the symbols because it's provocative and sells records. And it's like, well, which is it? Does it not work or does it sell records? <laughs> right. What are they trying to do with it? <laughs> They're trying to make money and sell records. So you can't have it both ways. And yes, the Astroworld tragedy was wild. I can't remember a time when people have jumped on the symbolism and the idea of a ritual sacrifice any faster. It definitely felt like the Harvest Festival of Hip Hop, I would say, because that festival also seemed very potent. They got the country people. They got the hip hop people. They're going to come for the punk rock concert next. But man, it also happened around the same time of year in the fall. And I've heard your three podcast episodes about it. I guess for people who don't know that much about it, help us out. What did you see that really concerned you? Because there's there's so much symbolism, but what would be some of those symbols? Yeah, there's a lot. Okay, so I'm going to assume the audience knows what happened, right? There was this big concert. And the issue was, like for me... Travis Scott had been giving us strange symbolism throughout his whole career. He had, and I posted lots of images about this on my Instagram for people who want to check it out at Isaac Weishaupt. And the images he provided in his music videos showed us many examples of alchemical transformation. It showed him as the black bird, which represents the first stage of alchemy because they use what they call the language of the birds. Cause they think the birds have a, a higher consciousness and they speak through a higher sort of form of language. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and they show the process of alchemy through the different colors or the different colored birds, the black bird, white, yellow, the red, and the red is the Phoenix. So Travis Scott has been showing us videos of him going through this progression for years. And it shows him as the black bird with, you know, massive black wings and they light on fire and boom, he's the Phoenix, which to be fair, that's a common sort of trope you see many times. So does that mean he's worshiping the devil over there? I mean, I don't know. But I do know that he does that symbol often and repeatedly. And then he had a video where it was focused on a monolith, which is from 2001 A Space Odyssey. It represents the intelligence and the alien life form that evolves mankind. And depending on your worldview, which to be fair, my worldview is that there's a satanic doctrine or sort of worldview out there that they're slowly trying to bring into this world. And that is, it could be represented through aliens, the fallen angels, however people want to look at it. And this is where it gets a little dicey, right? But he showed us the monolith intelligence, the alien intelligence that evolves mankind. And in the 2001 A Space Odyssey, the story goes that the astronaut David Bowman is the one that gets enlightened and becomes the star child. And if you keep reading the books, he becomes the digital consciousness, which, oh, by the way, I'm sure we'll talk about today, that's the whole digital matrix, Facebook metaverse, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. But Travis Scott, in 2019 performed at the Super Bowl and when he performed he came crashing in as a fallen angel arguably from the skies he came crashing in and he was actually performing with Maroon 5 Maroon 5 at the time had the symbolism of the V 
And they've also, they use the Vesca Pisces symbol for their Maroon 5 logo, the double O's overlapping. Mm-hmm. And they had the V on the field, and that's where Travis Scott appeared. And the V represents the abyss, Nodens or Typhon, or Set. In fact, let me back up here, because let me clarify my view of Lucifer and Satan and what ultimately is what this whole show is going to be discussing, because I think that's maybe a good foundation. Sure. Before I go into more on Travis Scott. When I refer to Satanism, there's this idea of an archetype. There's this sort of traditional view that Satan is the guy with the horns and the and the pitchfork, and he's just the antithesis to God who is great and good, you know, Satan's evil. And where it gets dicey is some folks like the Church of Satan, they say they don't worship Satan. They say they're basically like atheists, more or less. But the people who actually worship a being, an entity called Satan, they think Satan's the good guy and the Christian God is really the bad guy, which is a Gnostic concept. And from here, you can get into different elements. And they all sort of echo the same idea. And the idea is that Satan is really the good guy. He's the misunderstood hero. The good aspect of Satan is Lucifer, some people believe. And it goes into all these occult doctrines of left-hand path versus right-hand path. Because the Christians and the Abrahamic religions, they believe in the right-hand path where you connect into the divine and you absorb into God by following his rules. But the left-hand path, their whole thing is to be the rebel, the adversary, the one that Satan represents, or Lucifer, who was the rebel angel kicked out of heavens infamously. And Set, the god Set, was from, you go back to ancient Egypt and you had this god Set of southern Egypt before they unified with northern Egypt, and Set was considered the other, the adversary that was out there in the desert. And all this stuff basically fits together and says there's a good versus evil, but there's also an inversion of what's really happening. Much like the story of Prometheus stealing the fire from the gods, Prometheus was the good guy. He's trying to help mankind. That's Lucifer. Lucifer's trying to help mankind wake up to the fact that the Christian God is the bad guy. And this is all a Gnostic belief system. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So when I say that Travis Scott comes down onto the playing field in the symbol for Typhon, a.k.a. Nodens, a.k.a. Set, we're talking about Satan or Lucifer or whatever you want to believe. But mm-hmm. a generalized sort of viewpoint is he came down from the skies as the fallen angel. So we fast forward to 2021. He's doing this Astral World Festival. And the artwork he's using to promote it shows the stage, which is a mountain. And I'm, I'm sure most of the audience is familiar with most of this stuff, but the mountain has this sort of hollowed out center, which is like a portal almost. And that's where Travis Scott and the performers would come out from. But it had hands over top of it with the eyeballs, which is symbolic of the all seeing eye, which again, if you go down this realm of Luciferian secret doctrine, the all seeing eye represents having your eyes open to this new understanding of the world. But then it had all these cryptic messages on it, like, see you on the other side. Right, 
Like, that was an actual tagline for the show. I didn't know that until your podcast, but it would be hard to find a more suspect slogan given what we know happened. And just to run through a couple other details I took from those episodes that you did, there's apparently a pretty famous Christ in Limbo painting where the lost souls are going into the mouth of a strange demon thing, and the Astroworld entrance had Travis Scott's head and mouth featured in the exact same way as you went in. Also, the concert started with a burning dove coming through a portal-like thing, and if a dove represents the Holy Spirit, being on fire is pretty dark. The stage was set up as an inverted cross. Drake came out and had people do the devil horns before Travis Scott appeared. And it's weird, right? Because we talk about magic in a lot of different contexts on this show, and I tend to think it's as diverse as language. You can say some bad, nasty stuff just like you can use your energy for bad, nasty stuff or call on bad, nasty energies. <laughs> but the satanic association with hip hop goes back a long time, as you clearly know. It's pretty common now to hear ritual sacrifice speculation almost any time someone in hip hop dies, like Young Dolph. I definitely want to talk to you about that recent murder. But getting back to this concert... There was also eight big flames that shot out of the stage. Not an uncommon configuration at a concert, but odd since the reports from the beginning said eight dead. Which touches on another weird thing that will happen in these ritual events. It doesn't matter what the number really is. The news story will have the numbers they want in it. Like, for example, I wasn't going to bring it up, but it is what comes to mind. Recently, Fauci said that we won't get the country back to normal unless the case rate falls under 10,000 a day or maybe 3,300. It's like, why 3,300 specifically? It's not even really close to 10,000. It seems like you really wanted to get that number in there. <laughs> but I think of the eight dead at this concert in a similar way. And interesting that you say they're making it 10 now because I saw several TikTok videos where people who were there were saying, no, it was a lot more than eight dead. I saw eight dead myself. And then in other videos, they're lifting up lifeless bodies and getting them out of there. And they didn't seem crushed. The people had no problem clearing a space and lifting them up. Seems like that would be pretty tough if it was a big crush situation of thousands of people. I also saw a thread online where folks were curious about the reporting that the cause of death was cardiac arrest, when it's usually asphyxiation in similar situations. Cardiac arrest makes me wonder if it had more to do with 50,000 vaccinated fans in a high-intensity situation. Could eight drop dead? I wouldn't be surprised. I hear blood clots can be hard to detect until it's too late. But those are some of the rapid-fire things that I found strange or jotted down from your episodes and it just seemed like he has said and projected a lot of signs that he might be into such a sacrifice. There's that video I'm sure that most of us have seen where he keeps singing while watching a lifeless body get pulled out pretty close to him. I know people pass out and take drugs at shows. It's possible he thought it was something like that. I know you're on the fence about him knowing or not knowing if people were dying. But that video is pretty sadistic to me. Plus... This kind of stuff goes back way before this particular show in terms of the symbolism and stuff. I now know that he also did a Fortnite concert. 
tying us back into the whole metaverse thing, but that was one of the early digital concerts. And out of the wide range of ways he could have been presented, he was a giant, which again references that Nephilim fallen angel motif that we see all the time. He's also got plenty of hand over one eye promo images, and it all just seems to stack up, man. You play with fire, you're going to get burned. But those are a lot of the things that I found weird, just to throw it all out there in a big list, I guess. There's a couple more real quick before we move on. Sure. The, he took out a full four-page ad in the Houston Chronicle because he was promoting, he's got a new album called Utopia and a mixtape called Dystopia, which is a little play on duality, right? Reconciliation of opposites a little bit, whatever. But more interesting, the verbiage used on the ad, it says, when the end arrives, it's really the beginning, and who knows what lies beneath the surface. And on the photo they show, it's, I mean, and it's a play on the sensational tabloid magazines that used to talk about, like Batboy and stuff, and it has a picture of Travis Scott, and he looks like a demon. So when it says, who knows what lies beneath the surface, it seems like he's showing us flat out what's going on. And at his concerts, and I'm not a huge Travis Scott fan, but I'm told that he uses a phrase called demon time. Like he says it's demon time and he always gets everyone to rage, they call it, you know, when they're out mosh pitting and stuff. And to me, although I get that this is entertainment and this is what performers do, but you have to look at the overlap of how this fits into the world of magic because magic, it uses those deep levels of the unconscious to cause changes in the material world. So when Travis Scott is playing the role of magician, he's influencing all these minds on an unconscious level and it manifests. And to me, between him and Lil Uzi Vert, whose name is a play on Lucifer, he's another famous rapper who ironically released a video called Demon High the same week. And then Little Nas X, who was in the news all over the place for having the video where he was twerking on Satan at the beginning of the year after he was selling these satanic shoes with human blood in them. Yeah. And by the way, not to sound like a Bible thumper, but my only beef with Little Nas X was that he pushed all that satanic stuff within two months of selling a kid's book. Hmm. Because Old Town Road was a song that the kids loved and his handlers or whoever were like, hey, you could make a ton of money. You could sell this kid's book because the kids love you. So he does that. And then two months later, he's twerking on Satan and selling satanic shoes. But the news, they never focus in on that. It's always like, oh, everyone's so homophobic. And I'm like, that's not really what people have the problem with. But OK, you know. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And in one of your episodes, this might be the most damning thing. You played a clip where Travis Scott is talking about performing and he says, when I do my shows, I'm so turned. I don't have the backup dancers or the drummers and all that. I'm all about the blood. And the person he's talking to catches it and says, the blood? What blood? Who's bleeding on stage? And he replies, well, I'm not bleeding, but the fans are like giving their bodies. Well, that sounds pretty on the nose, man. How many people have said something like that before a mass casualty event at one of their shows? I would say almost none. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, and that's the whole argument I present in Sacrifice Magic Behind the Mic is the idea that there's 
a concept. They call it calling, C-U-L-L-I-N-G. It's the human calling and in the doctrines of this sort of dark Satanism stuff, they believe that there's an energetic effect to be had through the spilling of blood and the sacrifice to Satan, the Dark Lord. Mm -hmm. So it's very curious that he does specifically tell you that in some ways. Yeah. And you also mentioned that there's a connection, maybe just thematically, to the Goddard Tunnel Ceremony. And I think most people listening have seen that very creepy Goddard Tunnel opening ceremony from a couple of years ago. Where do you think they overlap? Is it just the symbolism? Yeah, so on the stage for Travis Scott's concert, you had the big mountain, and then there was a big hole in the mountain, which was, some people called it the portal for CERN. It also was reminiscent of back in 2016 when there was a tunnel going through the Swiss Alps. And symbolically, that represents going underground in some ways, kind of like Alice in Wonderland, which is, again, this classic sort of initiation ritual idea. But the Swiss Goddard Tunnel ceremony had all this bizarre satanic symbolism. And I don't know. You know, some of us that have been around this conspiracy world long enough remember it clearly, but if some people that are new, a lot of people in 2020 started <laughs> researching conspiracies and they're still catching up, but they had this embodiment of, of Satan in there as Pan, the half man, half goat. And he was there and there was a big fallen angel that was like this big baby with wings and they had a dead lamb brought out at the beginning of it, which is just like Travis Scott's dove coming out on fire it's almost like they flat out show you the expulsion of christ if you want to take it with the christian angle it's almost the expulsion of christ so that they can allow the satanic energies to manifest and come forth Hmm. yeah i'm right there with you that was one of the creepiest ceremonies you know it's right up there with the 2012 Olympic Games where, you know, if you look at that as if you if you reverse engineered it and say, okay, we want you to devise a play that lays out all the bullet points of the coronavirus narrative. Well, it would be hard to do a better job. You have dancing doctors, you have kids in hospital beds, you have a giant demon overhead and that whole image we've all seen of the virus with the spike proteins. I mean, they even form that formation. In the yeah. middle of that. And it's 2012, you know, 2012, 2021. I don't know. It felt like a little bit of a mirror kind of thing going on. But well, and J.K. Rowling, I think, wasn't she doing some kind of narration during that scene? And she obviously wrote Harry Potter, which is all about magic and trying to indoctrinate kids into the, the ideas of magic and the occult. Yeah, I think so. The the giant demon thing overhead was, I think, supposed to be Voldemort, but oh, I didn't weird. really think it yeah. looked all that much like him. And uh, there was a couple other like Disney villains involved in the performance, but it was just so on the nose. It was so medical. What does that have to do with the Olympic Games? What are we doing here? <laughs> Kids in hospital beds, you're coming for them with a syringe. I don't know. They obviously try to manifest things by showing us these performances. They apparently have to show us what they're going to do or tell us what they're going to do before they do it. But I can't believe we're already 30 minutes into this thing. Let's talk about Young Dolph. Because I don't know if a lot of people are even aware of this rapper. I definitely wasn't. They seem to be popping up so fast. I feel like an old man. I'm not really uh, abreast of what's happening in hip-hop and who's popular anymore. But 
we have this recent death of a rapper named Young Dolph. What are some of the significant factors here in terms of it maybe being another hip hop sacrifice of some kind? Yeah, it's curious about this one because I'm a pretty big hip hop guy. I'm, I'm not an expert on it by any means. So I knew who he was. And like I talked about on my show, you know, he's not as famous as Travis Scott. Travis Scott's probably top five rappers in the world right now. Young Dolph's probably top 20, top 30, somewhere in there. So he's pretty famous. I mean, this is, is he's no slouch. But he was gunned down on November 17th, shot outside of a cookie store. But what's curious is that he had just released an album called Paper Route Illuminati. And to defend it, people would say, well, it's just a play on it because the whole concept of the Illuminati is definitely shared within the hip hop community. Lots of people reference it. There's some artists that will even like sort of claim they're part of the Illuminati or whatever because it's kind of like a power flex, you know. Mm-hmm. But Young Dolph, he, he had this Paper Route Illuminati. It had 23 tracks on the album, which is discordian ideas of the law of fives when you have the 23, the 23 enigma, right? The artwork on the album, it shows him looking, he does that sort of classic image of putting the triangle around your eye, and it shows his eyeball that's red, which is you know, generally referring to someone as a demon. So he releases that album just a couple months ago, but during the promotion of that album, he kept doing these mantras about making money and you can't make money without sacrifice. Now, obviously, to be rational about things, you could just say, yeah, they're talking about like working hard. That's the sacrifice. But if you want to add this into the growing list of satanic and occult riddled ideas within hip-hop, it could be arguing that there's some kind of satanic sacrifice involved here. And if you look at the label that is associated, there's been King Vaughn was another rapper that died on this label. And there's another one. I can't, his name escapes me. But it adds into this whole thing. And when you look through his lyrics, he talks about different themes of the devil taking his soul, dancing with the devil, And in fact, that Illuminati album, the first track, first word spoken on the whole album, he says, if I sacrifice myself, will I go to hell? And what's the most bizarre out of all this stuff is that his cousin was Juice World, who was one of the most famous rappers ever when he was alive. I mean, he was around maybe two years. He was popular for about two years, maybe before he died. And Juice World, just like, Tupac and Notorious B.I.G., he had a lot of lyrics talking about how he was going to die and how he would be sacrificed. And the same thing could be argued from Triple X Tentation, who was another very famous rapper who was on Instagram Live talking about how, hey, if I get sacrificed, so-and-so, I love you guys, whatever, and then he was infamously killed. There's so much, I mean, it's like peeling back this crazy onion, and there's connections to Drake all over all this stuff, but of course, Drake's probably like the most famous rapper on the planet so of course he's going to be connected to a lot of things but drake's always been using that symbolism of the owl which harkens to bohemian grove and the cremation of care ceremony which is all about the sacrifice of a human to their gods to these pagan gods mm-hmm. yeah man and i heard you talking about just all these lyrics that juice world had of a faustian bargain 
And then I think this is a young Dolph line, but the line was, I got a confession to make. I sold myself to the trap. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty specific. It's not very vague at all. And he also, young Dolph, died in Memphis. And this is going to be long with a lot of detail, but I got to loop in my main man, Chris Knowles of the Secret Sun blog here. Oh, yeah. Shout out Chris Knowles for sure. Yes. He has been latched onto an extremely long thread about Elizabeth Frazier of the Cocteau Twins being a siren or a channel or a harbinger of doom, you could say. And so many of her album names, song names, and lyrics reference a ton of real-world tragedies. And the first big hit he found was with the singer Jeff Buckley, who actually dated Liz Frazier. But he died in a weird drowning accident in Memphis. Lots of drowning symbolism in her videos and artwork, too. But get this, Jeff Buckley was born November 17th, 1966. Young Dolph dies at the same place on what would be Jeff Buckley's 55th birthday. And in Young Dolph's last video, it depicts him underwater, which is a nod to the Buckley death. And because Liz Frazier has lyrics for everything, she said in one song, she will give you a garland to grace your head and present you with a glorious crown. Well... Young Dolph released an album of himself as a baby wearing a crown on the cover out of the infinite images he could have used. That's a pretty good hit. And what was the name of that album? The King of Memphis. Oh, Another sacrificial death. It's it's all right there and it ties right into the Liz Frazier stuff he's been on for so long. But check out his blog about it. There's other layers to the detail as well, but it just seems like It's another sacrificial death in the shadow of a pyramid, much like the Harvest Festival was, too. It's just like that giant pyramid is in in Memphis, and it's right near where Buckley drowned and where Young Dolph was killed. But they love that stuff. They love the, the pyramid being in proximity to these sacrificial rituals. Yeah, that's interesting for sure. I'm not familiar with the Cocteau Twins or whatever. I heard of Jeff Buckley, though, but... I didn't know any of that stuff. Yeah, that Memphis has this, this whole connection to ancient Egypt because the argument that I subscribe to is that if you want to believe in an Illuminati or this sort of secret cabal of people that have incredible power and participate in weird, sacrificial, public, you know, mass ritual stuff, then the idea is that they've been persecuted for hundreds of years for their beliefs in these pagan gods and labeled as satanic stuff, you know, from the church who the church sort of ran the joint for a long time, right? Like the church of England and the Royals and stuff. And all these people who believe in these pagan concepts and Satan and all this crap, they've been sort of forced underground And the idea is that they still worship all these pagan gods, which there's a whole pantheon in ancient Egypt. And Memphis was one of these hubs from which they still, to this day, devote a lot of energy towards is the idea. But yeah, that's that's all very interesting stuff that they would both die in Memphis. And to speak more on the hip hop side of the things, that's where Three Six Mafia is from as well, which obviously has a very satanic name, the Triple Six Mafia. Hmm. Yeah, there always is another layer, it seems, but that was just crazy to me that this guy was killed, gunned down in the same city on Jeff Buckley's birthday and has a King of Memphis album 
Very eerie. Very eerie. But yeah, for sure. I know this is kind of a, a grab bag of topics and we're trying to get to things that happen throughout the year. But I wanted to fold in the metaverse. As you said, the digital consciousness thing. We've heard the term digital twinning and we hear all this Web3 talk. Not surprising that Steven Spielberg directed Ready Player One, and it seems like they're trying to craft that reality. Everyone actually lives empty, lonely, sad lives, but when you put on that VR helmet, you can be anyone you want to be. And I'm sure you have some thoughts on this. It seems like a crucial component of the elite's weird secret religion that mixes ancient aliens with Gnosticism and the Book of Revelations. But what do you think is the significance of them trying to usher in this metaverse? This is the key, right? This is, to me, the biggest maybe story, I would argue, of the whole year because the Facebook metaverse is their first public unveiling of the plans for mankind. And this has always been the occult fantasy. You know, Francis Bacon was always talking about harnessing technology to create the the new Atlantis and the new Atlantis is supposed to be this place where man can become God and man can manifest reality through his thoughts instantaneously. And to me, I don't know how you would do that besides in a digital world where your avatar, you know, can consciously manifest whatever it wants because none of it's real ultimately. Mm -hmm. Now, I've talked about this subject probably more than any other subject in the past, going all the way back to my first book back in, I think it was like 2012, I wrote that one. I was talking heavy on the transhumanism movement, which goes back through the Huxleys, which you know gave us Aldous Huxley, Brave New World, and he's connected into the Doors of Perception and Aleister Crowley and all this stuff, right? But... The transhuman movement is the idea that mankind will evolve through the use of technology. And if you want to take it to the spiritual realm, this is basically the Luciferian idea of destroying the creation that God made and redesigning it into the perfected ways of this world through the knowledge, through the fire that Prometheus is giving us. Now, you know, judgments aside as to whether or not maybe it would be great. I don't know the answer to that. But the transhuman movement is the idea that Ray Kurzweil has been supporting for many years through Google Technologies. And Ray Kurzweil wrote several books about this idea, and he sort of predicts timelines of what the future will look like. And the one book he wrote in the 90s that I read, The Age of Spiritual Machines, his guesstimates were a little off, because I think by... 2020 he was saying we were going to have contact lenses where you could access the internet with your eye and sort of browse the internet with your eyeball which did not happen but they're trying right you got the google glasses and the oculus rift vr goggles and all that stuff but ultimately the plan is digital consciousness which we talked about earlier with the sequels to the 2001 a space odyssey that's where they want to take us mm -hmm. they want to get rid of this whole human body and human earth experience and create a digital environment a utopia that ultimately i mean and you could look at it from many angles but to me this is kind of like the whole great reset talk with the world economic forum where they're like oh we need to make sure everyone's taken care of and 
it'll be great. Just give us the keys to the vehicle and we'll take care of things. Like, that's how I feel about the Matrix. Like, in principle, like, it sounds super interesting that you could, like, kind of live forever, almost immortal, and you could interact with people that you love that have died and stuff. Like, that's kind of cool. That's an interesting idea. But these people, these psychopaths, are the ones that are going to run the thing. So what they want is ultimate control. And what better form of control than digital experiences, which all of the audience surely knows what it feels like when Zuckerberg censors all the information you try to talk about. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be no different in the, the metaverse. Right. You'll be under constant surveillance, constant data extraction. They'll make this thing so addicting that if you misbehave and get kicked out, you'll have nothing. And that's their goal, I think. But I honestly don't think it's going to work. People are addicted to their phones, sure, but they can look up and still have one foot in the real world and one foot in the digital. If you've ever used a VR headset, it's kind of interesting, but I find it so disorienting that I just don't see a lot of people going to work meetings that way or letting it take up too much of their life because it's not a... I mean, it's communal in the sense that you're plugged in with a lot of other people who are plugged in, but if there's people in the room with you and you have the VR helmet on, it's just like not a fun group hang experience, really. And I don't know. I think it's lofty. I think it's a very lofty idea. And I know that the VR will get more immersive and this is the way things go, but I'm skeptical that they can pull this off. I also have this belief that Life is a sort of soul school or that we do have a purpose in life. And the aim of the elite is to craft structures to disrupt that economic structures, getting us locked into shitty jobs, getting us numbed out with media, putting us under stay at home orders. They don't want us to fulfill our mission or advance our consciousness. And this metaverse just seems like another layer. How much time can we take away from people? The average lifespan, obviously it's not 100 years, but let's say you got 100 years to accomplish your goal and progress through this soul school. They're just trying to find ways to make that clock tick on without you getting there. And I used to always think that the nine to five job, that's what it is. Money's not real. They've crafted all this and you get so worried about having enough money that you keep that shitty job and you lose 40 years to it. It's a real time suck and it means nothing for your soul progression. But the VR thing, yeah, I think that's their goal is let's make something more immersive. You mentioned the World Economic Forum. You will own nothing and and you'll never be happier. That's the metaverse. You'll own these NFT digital assets. But if you pull the plug out, it's all nothing. So, yeah, this is a big lofty goal for them. I think they want to extract more of our time. The one resource we come here to, to have, to experience three-dimensional reality and all that. And I think people should be pretty cautious before cheering this on or getting too involved with it. You know, Manly P. Hall wrote The Secret Destiny of America. And in that book, he talks about, he basically lays out the idea for a scientific theocracy, which is, you know, that's where we're going right now, right? It's like, always trust the science. And I beat up on science and call them nerds and stuff, but I've got degrees in science through college. And Science to me is a method and it's very valuable to be used as a tool. But for me, it's not the answer to everything. It's not the answer to spirituality. 
And I agree with what you're saying there, Greg. That's an interesting way of looking at our time here in this existence. It's not supposed to be just work and entertainment the whole time. There's some learning to be done. There's connecting to have with other people, with loved ones. And when you talk about like a nine to five, you know, as well as I do, Greg, nine to five is actually like seven to seven because you got to like kind of get up, you get ready, you know, it consumes most of your day just to do a regular full-time job. And a lot of people work much more than that even. So like, it's crazy how limited people's resources are to pursue the higher spirituality of what it means to be human and what we're doing here on this earth. And what I don't understand is that what the occultists want for us and for them in this new world, because like in, in the secret destiny of America, it's all about this sort of idea of immortality and using this science as the religion of the future. And that's where I get hung up because obviously I don't know the answer, but I kind of feel like these people have had a long history through capitalism or whatever of taking as much of the wealth as they possibly can to the point of mental illness. And now they want to act like, oh, well, we're going to help everyone out with this next move. And I'm like, I'm just so hesitant to jump on board with it, you know? (laughs) Of course, of course. So definitely people need to be watching out for the metaverse to loop in another strange recent event. William Shatner went up to space with Jeff Bezos And you've said this was a big ritual. How so? (laughs) So the whole thing with Shatner, well, first, you know, Bezos, he did the Blue Origin spacecraft, which if you look at it, and I'm not the first person to point this out, it looks like a giant phallus, which is very important to these people that believe in this ancient mystery religion, because that's what the obelisk is. That's what the giant Washington monument is. It's about this phallic male energy complemented by the female goddess energy. And when you go back to the Apollo missions, arguably that was all a ritual of the male penetrating the female virgin moon goddess. So there's that aspect of it with Jeff Bezos using a a massive phallus to get into space, which was also, by the way, called the New Shepherd, which again there's always the spiritual element because God is of course the shepherd of sheep and you know, they named after Alan Shepard, but you could argue that point as well. Right now what's interesting is that William Shatner was on star Trek, obviously. And that was a show created by Gene Roddenberry who infamously like didn't believe in God. He was sort of anti what do you call it? like Abrahamic religions, it seemed like. But all these science fiction people, they always have this sort of belief in a global consciousness God, this sort of, I don't know, alternative religion God or something like that. And that's kind of what he was into. So it's interesting that he would be the first to go out in space, the first sort of famous celebrity outside of Bezos, it would be William Shatner. And, you know, just like all the other trips to space, quote unquote, they only went to 66 miles above Earth. And, you know, to get to the moon, it's like 250,000 miles, which supports the argument that I've always subscribed to that we never actually put a man on the moon. I just don't believe it. <laughs> but 66 is the number of the fallen angels of the Klepoth, if you want to look at it from gematria numerology standpoint. 
So there's a lot of weird stuff going on. And then Gene Roddenberry, of course, was involved with the Council of Nine and contacting these aliens and stuff. Chris Knowles had a whole post about it. Actually, I think I discussed that on my podcast, talking about it. Yeah, and I think it's so weird that a guy who went up with them, of course, died in a plane crash mysteriously. Yeah, that's right. And then the last time Bezos went up, he had a lottery system, and the guy who won... And it wasn't a free lottery. It was like he paid a million bucks or something. And the guy was like, oh, I'm not going to go. And so they gifted it to some 17 or 18 year old boy. And it's like, why is Jeff Bezos hanging out with a, a, a barely legal teen up in space? Like, what is going on up there? Oh, interesting. I don't know. I just find it strange. I'm only 36 and I have no interest in hanging out with anyone who's a decade or two <laughs> younger than me. So whatever. And we also know the elite are always into some weird sexual stuff. So maybe zero gravity space sex is on the table. I don't know. And another event, if we're going to just keep progressing kind of backwards through this year, was the Alec Baldwin shooting. Pretty bizarre. I just saw this headline that said Alec Baldwin intentionally fired the shot that killed Helena Hutchins and chose to play Russian roulette with a loaded gun in violation of the script. A new lawsuit claims he really had no reason to be pointing it at her. It wasn't something that was being directed. It was just something he chose to do. And it's strange. The husband of Helena, I don't even know if it's pronounced Helena, but the husband of this cinematographer who was fatally shot by him, he was a corporate lawyer at Latham and Watkins LA office. Latham and Watkins is a law firm used by the Clintons. And get this, also recently, Michael Sussman, who represented the Clinton campaign, has been indicted by special counsel investigating the Russian probe about 30 days prior to the shooting. And he works for a different firm. But guess who's representing him in this? Latham and Watkins. So I don't know. The guy's name is Sussman, and it really does seem pretty Sussman, you know? Oh, interesting. <laughs> And there's this whole argument that this was a sort of, I don't know, a ritualistic murder, but it was a, a murder nonetheless. Rose McGowan, she tweeted about how accidents like this happen all the time with accidents being in quote. And she said she's heard of celebrities paying to kill human beings very much like you see in several films like The Hunt or Hostel. This idea that elites get off on murder. And obviously, I don't know if that's true or not, but it certainly is believable that some people have enough wealth and enough time that they want to sort of increase their adrenaline and they go that far into it. And what's curious is that just a few days after Rose McGowan basically laid a claim that this wasn't an accident on TMZ, they posted about how person on the set of the film suggested that somebody intentionally put a live round in with this box of dummy ammunition, which is very bizarre why one would do that. Obviously, it's bizarre. And from what I understand, there's not really a clear explanation for what exactly happened, but clearly someone put live rounds in with the dummy rounds, and it's weird that there's all this kind of shady discussion about it. Previously, in that same day, they were firing rounds using that gun at targets out in, I don't know, out in the desert, wherever they were. 
all this stuff just doesn't add up. It's all just all very weird. I don't know if he intentionally tried to kill a human being. That seems very weird to me, but that's the argument being laid out right now that it was some kind of ritual killing just to satisfy a bloodlust of some kind. Mm-hmm. Could be. Could be. It's also just weird when politics overlap so heavily with these people. I've heard online speculation about him playing Trump on SNL and that that's involved with why he's being punished and, you know, kicked out of the club or something like that. It is weird, but there's always a game behind the game and all we can do is try to decode it. Well, yeah, because Trump even said something about how, you know, I could go down (laughs) Times Square and shoot someone in the back and I wouldn't lose any voters, which is kind of ominously curious as to what happened to Alec Baldwin, who, you know, played Trump on SNL for so many years. Yeah, yeah. Weird synchronicity. The la- I know we're at the end of the road here, but the last thing I wanted to at least touch on is your latest book. Uh, the last time we talked, it was about your book, Aliens, UFOs, and the Occult. Use your illusion part one, UAP disclosure, spiritual warfare, and manifesting extraterrestrials through entertainment. And now you have Aliens, UFOs, and the Occult. Use your illusion part two, symbolism in film and manifesting extraterrestrials. What does this second book add to the overall themes that you're looking at here? So the second book is basically I'm taking the concepts and ideas from the first book, talking about all these themes around aliens and the occult, and I'm watching movies and explaining the plot of the movie and the different ideas, messages, and symbols that support the ideas from the first book. And to me, I thought 2021 was going to go deeper into this realm of the aliens. And it appears that maybe they're taking it one step at a time and maybe next year we'll get more. I don't know. But this whole idea of disclosure is part of this new world order of merging spirituality with science. We're witnessing the birth of a new religion. And that's what the book is. is It's basically a series of films, most of them pretty well known, like E.T., Flight of the Navigator, Interstellar, Under the Skin, the John Carpenter Apocalypse Trilogy, Alien, Prometheus, and going through different ideas that support basically all the ideas we talked about today, this idea of the evolution of man through alien intelligence and transhumanism. Is it the fallen angel? Is it Luciferian? Are they just trying to usher in a new religion? It's kind of just all these sort of ideas and going through familiar films. And I put images in the book to support the ideas that what we're talking about. And some of it's just more about alchemy. But yeah, that's kind of the idea. And I actually watched some of these movies for the first time, like Flight of the Navigator, and was shocked by all the child abuse symbolism and ideas and messages that are prevalent throughout that film. But yeah, there's there's lots of different ideas, but it generally sticks to a theme of aliens and the occult and how they showed up in the movies. Yeah. Man, Flight of the Navigator, I never really thought about it in that context of uh, kind of scientists studying the mental connection between a boy and a UFO or an alien. It really is kind of MK Ultra ish Yeah. I never thought about it like that. Yeah, that was the first time I had seen it, so I didn't really have a basis or background of it. Ironically, Sarah Jessica Parker's film debut was in this movie, but 
the child in the movie, David, if you watch the scenes, the doctor from NASA, of all places, <laughs> the doctor from NASA, he goes to David's family and he's like, hey, I need to take your boy who, I don't know, was he 12 or whatever he was? I need to take your boy and take him back to my NASA lab for 48 hours. No parents allowed in the room, though, which is obviously creepy. So they take the boy to this NASA lab facility and they take him to his room. And like every other weird groomer type thing, they've got all these toys and they got a TV with a remote control, which was pretty new for the film. And he's allowed to call his parents once. And when he calls the parents, the doctor's listening in on the phone line. And it's like, why is all this happening? Like, it's very creepy. And there's more to it, like the UFO. I think the name of the UFO is Max. The UFO comes from this planet, Phalion, which is very similar to Phallus, which takes us back to all that weird occult obsession with the penis. But it's voiced by Pee Wee Herman, and he's got his little improprieties. I think he was even convicted, maybe, of being in possession of child pornography. There's a lot going on in that movie that's, like, super disturbing if you look at it. And the big one is at the end when David is flying around inside the UFO, they stop to... It's like a a real goofy sequence. So they stop to talk to this convertible car to ask directions and the music playing inside that convertible is a song by The Cure called A Man Inside My Mouth, which is obviously about male oral sex. So again, just like Hocus Pocus, all these things cannot be a coincidence. Like People are putting this stuff into the films. The real question is, why the hell are they doing it? Mm-hmm. Yes. And the last thing I wanted to bring up from that book is you cover Interstellar, which is definitely symbolically potent, and you say... Interstellar shows us the higher dimensions accessed by Freemasons through the black hole of Saturn. And I find this really interesting. No doubt, Freemasonic symbolism is all about angles and a secret space between the two pillars, the ladder to heaven. It's all in the mix. How literal do you get with this idea? Do you think the secret society of Freemasons at its highest level have literally unlocked hidden spaces or dimensions? I mean, it's very possible, right? Because their whole thing is this spirituality and this new religion of perfected wisdom and science and all that. And in the movie, the reason why I say there's like Freemasonic connections here, Cooper gets the coordinates at the beginning of the secret NASA facility. And the coordinates is like 33 degrees, right? Obviously that's Freemason, Scottish Rite of Freemasonry. So they go there and they get brought in and in the boardroom they find out about the project and it's the symbols on the for the project that's called Lazarus, which is about the death and resurrection, which is the symbolism of the Freemason initiation. Like in the chamber of reflection, they sit there and stare at the skull. It's always death and rebirth, but it's also got the eye of Horus as well as the eagle or the phoenix, which is very much connected into all this Freemasonry. Right, right. I think it's a really interesting concept that they have kind of unlocked hidden worlds or hidden spaces. Some speculate that when people like Michael Jackson or David Bowie, quote unquote, die, they're really just killing off the character they play and going to these secret realms as a reward 
for, you know, playing that role. Is that something you wow. entertain? Yeah, I mean, that's pretty deep down the rabbit hole, but I like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something we'll never be able to verify, but it is interesting. Well, man, always a pleasure. So many things to unpack, and you've just been as busy as ever. I really admire that work ethic. Once again, you deserve all the success you've had. Remind the people of where they can get the full Isaac Weishaupt experience, because you've got a lot of plates spinning. <laughs> yeah, man, thank you again. I appreciate it. Yeah. And I'm constantly cranking out content. I mean, they can go all kinds of places if they're brand, brand new to conspiracy. If they go to IlluminatiWatcher.com, sign up at the top, you should see a link or on the side for three books for five bucks. You don't even need the five bucks. You can get my first book, a grand unified conspiracy theory for free. Just sign up for my email newsletter. That's one route. You can go to Instagram. I'm on there at Isaac Weisop. I've got lots of cool videos and images to support all these things I'm talking about. Or you can check out my podcast, Conspiracy Theories and Unpopular Culture, which is pretty much everywhere. Right on. Great stuff. Well, it's always a pleasure. I'm glad we've kept in touch. Hopefully we can hang out in the flesh someday. But Yeah, definitely, brother. I'd love that. Yes. Until then, keep doing awesome work, and I'm sure we'll do it again before too long. Take care. Oh, definitely. You too. The power of Christ compels you, people. The much-needed return of my main man, Isaac Weishaupt. Good dude, works hard, and puts the pieces of the satanic symbolism puzzle together pretty well. We covered a lot of stuff, but still had more we could have fit in. It's been a wild year. Although when I have these kinds of conversations with people I'm comfortable with, I sometimes get a little loose and spout off and say things that I then have to retract or amend in the wrap-up. And the first one of those things is the Lovecraft thing I said. I think it might have only been in the Plus show, but I said that H.P. Lovecraft had an inappropriate relationship with a kid who was a fan of his. And Isaac said, oh, I didn't know that. I thought he was asexual. And I think Isaac is right. I had to go refresh my memory, and there are people who have written articles about Lovecraft going to live with this, I think, high school-aged kid who was a fan of his. But when you look into the idea that he was asexual, there is a lot more to support that. Seems like he didn't like to bang. And that's okay. And so maybe going to form a friendship with a much younger person isn't as weird if you're not thinking about sex at all. I still find it weird, but to each their own. Sometimes I think we get carried away with these sorts of topics and trying to analyze everyone's dirty laundry. And there are certainly creeps and abusers out there. Case in point, it is the first day of the Glenn Maxwell trial. But they're the kind of claims that you should be really careful with. You shouldn't just run with some article you read online, and that is what I did there. So my bad. I also said another thing that kind of bothered me when I was talking about the London Olympic Games opening ceremony in 2012. I said you got kids in hospital beds and you're coming at them with a syringe. Well, that's not exactly right. The big 40-foot demonic Voldemort is waving his wand around, shooting sparks out of it, and that must have been what I was thinking of, but that quote-unquote performance doesn't really need any embellishment to make the point that it was all about the year of COVID. Like, the only thing that is missing is syringes, but you have dancing doctors, you have kids in hospital beds being chased by weird black demon people while a bunch of nurses do a deadpan 
blank expression sort of thriller dance, basically as if they were zombies or hypnotized. Hypnotized and blindly following the CDC, maybe? I don't know, but you also have the forming of that coronavirus computer model image as well. It's all very specific. I stand by the parallels all being there, but there's just no syringe in it. So that's it. I just can't get it out of my head all week when I know I said something that's not really right. That's why I should just stick to asking the questions and let the guests do what they do. <laughs> but this was fun. I needed one like this. I mean, we're talking about pretty tragic stuff, but symbolism and cultural events are interesting to me without being as heavy as forced shots and lockdowns and the rapid unraveling of life as we know it. So good stuff. I appreciate Isaac coming back. The Astro World thing was well worth talking about, as was the Young Dolph Memphis murder. I wish we had the visual reference for a little bit of that, but it is what it is. In higher side news, we did launch Plus Membership Gifting this week. We are also launching it with a special deal for 50% off this week. So if you want to gift THC Plus to anyone you know for Christmas or just because you think they'd like it, we're going to be putting a banner on the front page later today. There is one there now, but we're going to be switching it this evening and rolling out that 50% off any gift subscription, 1, 3, 6, or 12 months. And then if the person you gifted it to wants to continue it when that sub runs out, they have that option and you won't be on the hook for it. I also have an email going out to all former members with a breakdown of the new features we've added in the last several months and a special offer to try to bring you back. I know it's all about the interviews and a lot of people don't care about time-stamped comments or a Netflix-like category display, but I'm making the best shows I can. So I have to find ways to improve the overall experience and infrastructure because it seems like for a lot of people, just knowing there's an extra hour of the interview isn't enough. Maybe people are just over me. <laughs> I'm aware that's going to happen too. Maybe they hate the THC take on COVID. It's a very polarizing issue, so I would understand that too. But I gotta try to bring you back in. I have to try to increase the numbers. It's the dance we do, it's the game we play. It's what the holidays are for. Email blasts about everyone's bullshit. <sighs> but maybe we liked this one. It's been a while since we had a show like this. The first hour was full of good stuff, and the second hour too. We talked about Squid Game and the Kabbalistic Tree of Life, Satanic Symbolism and several other cultural motifs of 2021, Adele and Saturn, Matrix Resurrection trailer symbolism. There's another thing. I think I said Revelations in the episode, but obviously the new movie is Matrix Resurrection. I'm already annoyed they went with the John Wick look, but it is what it is. We also talked about Michael K. Williams' death and his comments about dark energies. The Olympic Games opening ceremonies for 2020-2021. Britney Spears' conservatorship and the symbolism of Hocus Pocus, which Isaac thinks might be some of the most interesting stuff he has found in his long career of looking. So if you ask me, one hour is never enough time, two hours often isn't either, but hey, get the full show. I'm sure you'll prefer it if you listen regularly. I hope you can part with the eight bucks a month, and outside of that, I try to make it really easy to access and enjoy. It works with a bunch of podcast players, 
You get your own dedicated RSS feed and the website has never been more mobile friendly. So I'm trying here guys and all I want for Christmas is for you to get yourself a Plus membership. How selfless of me, right? But let's also look at the higher side meetups calendar before we go. This weekend, December 4th, we have three opportunities for you to meet other THC fans and make some local friends. One in Saparinga, Brazil, another in a higher side friendly pub in Sweden, and a third at Gilligan's Irish Pub in Glendale, California for the LA Anti-Vaxmas Party. Check the calendar at HiresideMeetups.com for more details, RSVP so the host knows to expect you, and that's it. I am so happy to see people making these events. I do get a little energetic charge from it. It feels like I'm helping. <laughs> and as soon as we get into about April, my wife and I and Little Theory are definitely going to be taking a big road trip to see a bunch of friends around the country, and I would love to pepper in some meetups along the way. I'm thinking Phoenix, I'm thinking Houston, Denver, maybe even St. Louis. It would be a lot of fun, because my wife and I really have cabin fever at this point. Our dog had a slow death a few months back, and we didn't really leave her alone during the last few months of her life. And then we also didn't do much in the last few weeks of the pregnancy. And now we can't do a whole lot with a baby this young, so we are itching to do something as many people out there probably are. So set yourself up a higher side meetup, no risk, all reward. And maybe I'll see you in the spring. And that's gonna do it, I suppose. I definitely scrambled to get the November shows done in time, but I did it. Turns out week three and four with a new baby are actually much more difficult and demanding than weeks one and two. Nobody told me that. But it's all good. I'll spare you the details and just say that the show must go on. I'll see you next time. Big thanks again to Isaac and to you, dear listeners. I've done my part. Your move, satanic symbol cedars, ritual sacrifice facilitators, and agents of the Dark Lord. Your fucking sweet dreams to the elite. We're calling them out on THC, uncovering secrets and conspiracy. Everybody's looking for something Some of them want to use you Some of them want to get used by you Some of them want to abuse you Some of them want to be abused Yeah.